I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 128 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, I have a very special Frogman Friday episode for you today. I have the honor of speaking with a true American hero, Navy SEAL Marcus Luttrell will be here, joined by his wife, Melanie, so please stick around for the interview. And I would like to encourage you to invite your wife or your girlfriend to listen in on the interview as well. The last time that I had the honor of interviewing a frogman together with his wife was way back on episode 51 when Kevin and Lindsay Lace were here. Uh, I really received some tremendous feedback from that episode, especially from you moms out there. So I'm excited to present today's interview coming up in just a bit here. I did also have the honor of interviewing Muhammad Gulab, the Afghan father of 10 who saved Marcus Luttrell's life. You can hear that interview with him back on episode 64. Okay, and next week, I got a lot of good content for you guys to consume. I'm going to be hitting you with five episodes, including my interviews with YouTuber Evan Carmichael, actor Brady Smith, and Navy SEAL Mark Devine. All right, so you don't want to miss out on that. I'm also going to be making some future guest announcements, so lock it into First Class Fatherhood. Okay, so Marcus Luttrell is coming up here in just a minute. We know he's a badass, but let me tell you who is making the most badass watches on the planet. NFW Watch Company. You got to go over to their website and see what I'm talking about. NFWonline.com. When you get over there to the checkout, use my promo code FATHER. You're going to save 15% off your entire order. You're going to get free shipping inside the United States. And $50 of every order is going to go towards Honor Flight, which is helping our World War II veterans. So get over to NFWonline.com. Use my promo code FATHER. All right, so let's go, dads. Help me spread the word here about First Class Fatherhood. Let every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list know about the podcast here. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And right now I'm going to smack you with a quick little spot, and I'll be right back on the other side with Melanie and Marcus Luttrell. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Today's interview is being brought to you by NFW Watches. Please go over to nfwonline.com and use my promo code FATHER at the checkout. You're going to save 15% off your entire order. You're going to get free shipping inside the United States. And $50 of every order is going to go directly towards Honor Flight, which is helping our World War II veterans. Get over to nfwonline.com. Use the promo code FATHER. All right, and joining me now are First Class Parents. He is a former Navy SEAL whose best-selling book, Lone Survivor, was turned into a blockbuster movie with the same title, detailing his account of a deadly SEAL team operation. He is a Navy Cross and Purple Heart recipient. He joins me today with his wife, Melanie, from the great state of Texas. It is a big honor for me to say Melanie and Marcus Luttrell. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's get this started here. How many kids do you guys have, and how old are they? We have three. One is going to be 21 years old, 
and then he's a he's a junior at LSU. We have one seven and one to six. Very cool. What type of um, sports or activities are they into? Hunter, the oldest, did football and baseball all through growing up. Now that he's in college, he actually plays on their club baseball team. He's state champion his uh, senior year in high school. He's a he's a heck of a player. Um. And Axe and Addie, the little ones, are not in organized sports yet, um, but that's mainly because of our schedule, not because of them. Well, at this age right now, I was waiting for Axe to turn seven, and this is where I start introducing him to – because I don't even need that. I mean, I want them to have a childhood and play and, and, and do all that before I kind of come in their life and, and start pushing them in or helping them in the directions with the discipline and everything. So we've – Introduce them to jiu-jitsu and baseball and basketball and tennis and golf and bowling and uh, pool and swimming and pretty much everything. And then once they kind of find an interest in something and, and point in the direction they want to go, then we'll start. Yeah, that's awesome because I've had my kids in these organized sports leagues as young as four years of age, and it kind of really just simulates the way I played when I was a kid. We played more in the street or in the neighborhood without referees and coaches and all that, and we kind of had to handle the uh, problem-solving aspects uh, of the games in a sense, whereas today I think these organized sports, they kind of take that opportunity away from the kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and, that, and that's kind of why we held off. I mean, it is you, you, you find your niche with your friends, and if you kind of get put into something – in the beginning that your parents push you in and you, don't, and you don't like it, you kind of get that impression that all of it's like that, and that's not how we want to do it. So once they, you know, you make them want it and, and kind of crave it and ask for it, and then once they start showing the interest in it, then you then you kind of give uh, lead them down that path. Yeah. Okay, Melanie, please hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Oh, gosh. Um, that's a loaded question. That is, man. That's hard to answer. I... Um, <laughs> I basically manage Marcus's schedule and um, pretty much everything that he does from an umbrella standpoint. I don't do the day-to-day details, but I um, kind of operate as his manager. Um, I also am my family manager. I have a big family, um, my dad and my sisters, and I – we have a big ranch, and I manage all of that. So I have, I wear many, many, many hats. Okay, on top of managing everything that falls underneath my umbrella, not managing it, she's just the wife and she's the boss, and she kind of over all the other managers. Not only that, she's a full-time, I mean, she's a, a, an amazing wife, a mother of three. She has five sisters. All of them are on their own path in college, and kind of, and she does something with each one of them. On top of that, she runs the part of the family business, and, and that in itself is global, okay? And then she helps get uh, she's, uh, people elected into public office, including, you know, up in, to working on the president's campaign, congressman. I mean, she just, she she has multiple hats that, that, um, that she wears, and it's just, it's, it's almost impossible to put it all into uh, perspective. I like politics. I like local politics, and I do... Um fundraising and I just help with campaigns and stuff like that. Very cool. All right. I want to get your guys' perspective here because I talk about this all the time on the podcast. It feels like, to me at least, in this country, there's an attack on family life, on family values, through our pop culture, through the way uh, dads and family life is portrayed on TV and in the movies. Uh, So I think it's important for, especially the young men, but just for, for the younger generation to hear from successful people, from well-known people, uh, you know, how good and how awesome fatherhood and family life truly is. So 
Let me start with you here, Melanie. How did becoming a mom kind of change your perspective on life? Well, I became a mom at 19 years old. So I've been a mom my whole adult life, and I don't know anything other than that. Um, So I was a single mom for a long time, and that was obviously hard, but it it brings you really close to your child. So um, when I met Marcus, I was very thankful that he embraced Hunter as his own, and Hunter loves him um, like like their blood. So it's it's been a blessing for me. I know every family situation is not like that, um, but our family dynamic has worked really well. Yeah, it's so cool that you were able to do that, Marcus, too, because there, there are so many kids growing up in this country without a father figure in their lives, and, and the stats are really stacked against them. Uh, there's definitely a fatherless uh, household problem in the country. But, uh, Marcus, you have been all around the world. You've been to hell and back. You've been through so many different evolutions in your life. How did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? It was the best thing ever. My brother and I always had an arrangement. For the first 40 years, we were married to the SEAL teams, to our country, and to everybody involved with that. And then at 40, we would retire, stop, and shift and go in a completely different direction, either go into whatever we want to do. If we, you know, kind of start looking for our wives, uh, I got lucky. I met Melanie on a blind date, and uh, I asked her, you know, I, she left that. I was like, that's the last time you'll ever leave anywhere without me. I showed up the next day at her house with everything I owned was in a bag. I walked in and never left. And, and I, the first time Hunter came walking out of his room, I remember looking down. I was like, I didn't even really know about him. I was like, what is, hey, what's up, buddy? Because that's a big deal to walk into another bull's pasture. Let's be real about that. But and I kind of knelt down. But, hey, look, this is going to go one of two ways, man. And it went, the, the, you know, the, the famous way. I, I, I still remember being a kid and growing up and what that was like and making those mistakes. And anything and everything that I learned in the SEAL teams was, is dedicated now to being a husband and a, a father. And making mistakes is part of it. And realizing that you made them is part of it, too, and that life is going to be difficult in any kind of capacity. And as a father, I have the ability, plus my background, to put pressure on my kids to see how they react in certain uh, situations. And then I have the ability to pull it off of them. And that in itself trains them because when you go out into the real life, I mean, you know, we train our kids to get dressed, you know, tend to brush our teeth and talk and everything like that. But most people won't train them to defend themselves. They won't train them what to look out for because they're scared of it themselves. And all our children are is the next version of us. I mean, it's the better version. You, you meet the woman in your dreams. You create something that's, that's twice as powerful as you ever were, and, but all the doors are shut. And as they go through life, it's just you going through life in, a, in, in the new version, and you kind of want to see where it goes and, and what, in what capacity you, you uh, maintain a little bit of your old self or if you're completely brand new. And as you go through life, you want to kind of train yourself in every situation so that when you do have the next version of yourself, you can be there trained. I would never beat up myself. I would never, you know, talk down to myself. And that's what our kids are. It's our next version. I mean, you got to look at them like that young version. And when you were young, you made mistakes. And, you you know, you still believe in magic. And that's that's part of it, too. And, and um, you know, we raise our kids with, with faith and, the, you know, Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and we, we love each other in every capacity. And when they make mistakes, I mean, the thing about our generation, Gen X, man, is we're just so hardcore that, you know, we're, we're like stunt parents, right? I mean, we see our kids do something, like, oh, that's cool, but check this out, right? I mean, we have, we have been at the X team. Our, our Warriors have been fighting for 20 years. You know, our women are Gen X. I mean, they're just, just hardcore. And, and our kids have this technology today, and all the video games and movies that they watch are basically our lives playing out in front of them. 
And, uh, you know, every time they get a chance to, to, to step into it, we're just like, no, we'll do it. You know, it, and, and that's okay. I mean, it, every generation is different. Our generation, I remember the things they said about us, it was bad. Same thing they say about the millennials, but that's what it's all about. You know? It's just uh, going through life and learning as much as you can so you can pass it down. Very well said, and I'm a faith-based person myself, so I love to hear you mention Christ in there. God is under attack in this country as well. Uh, let me ask you guys about discipline. Who is more of the disciplinarian in your home, and how do you guys kind of handle it? I think I'm more of the disciplinarian um, just because I've been doing it for so much longer. Um, I'm a spanker for sure. Uh, I don't beat, and I I have ground rules with my spanking. Um I, I give warnings, and if they're third time is a charm, and uh, there's a spanking coming on that third time, I always spank on the behind, never anywhere else. You know, like, I've got my structure of spanking, and it seems to work. I agree with you, Melanie, and I, and I like what you said there, too, because there is a major difference between spanking a child and beating a child. And I think up until a certain point, uh, you know, spanking is very effective. I don't uh, believe in screaming or yelling or humiliating when parents do that it drives me absolutely crazy because it's counterproductive it's that that's just hurting the child they think oh well i'm not spanking him i'm not touching him well by by humiliating him or screaming at him in front of somebody that's not helping them either so i i think one of our biggest problems today with you know kids just going crazy um and there's lots of issues that are happening today that weren't happening when we were kids but i think a huge part of it is the lack of discipline and lack of structured discipline yeah you make a great point there melanie and, and as parents it is difficult to watch our kids fail or to get hurt and but i i mean i understand that failure is is a part of growth uh, but this whole every kid gets a trophy philosophy i think does a lot more harm than it does good so I mean, how do you, uh, Marcus, how do you kind of respond when your kids fail or, or, or get hurt? And um, maybe a, a word about discipline as well. Well, look, man, the trophies at that age are a gift to your children because when you congratulate them with words, they don't understand that. They still get presents. I mean, they, they, they see what's going on and they can hear you, but they don't understand it. And even when they're on their own, the way they learn their lessons and what really not to do is when they, get, when they feel pain. And, you know, the butt has some extra padding back there to apply a little pressure and if, if you don't if you don't do that to them, okay, and if you don't, what do you want to do? Keep them safe or secure? You want to hinder them, right? Because you're going to experience pain in life. And when you get out of sports and out of school, there are no more written tests, there are no more trophies. There's the good times and the bad times. And if, and if you're not paying attention to your good ones, your bad times are going to just light you up. And it's incumbent upon parents. I mean, who do you want to show it to them? All right, who do you want to discipline? The most dangerous thing on this planet is an undisciplined human mind. You just want a, you just want a grown-up baby, somebody who thinks they're still in seventh grade and deserve a present for every time they do something good? Or do you want to say, hey, look, man, uh, look, right now you do something, and we're all we're, we're playing this event. We're going to give you a trophy to reward those who work the hardest. And as you, as you progress in age and in life, those trophies go away, and it comes into diplomas and then into money and then into cars and, and everything and that, you know, that we that – we, like to give ourselves. But if you put them in the mindset that all they have to do is compete or show up, then there's that only happens in a small percentage of, of, of the world's population. So, I mean, if you just want them to live in that town for the rest of their life and be the, the kid who got the trophy in junior high or high school, well, that's cool too. But the minute they step out of that and they go into reality, even if every kid around 
got a trophy growing up and then they get into the opportunity to where the trophy doesn't exist and it's just who does the best work, then it'll, it'll weed themselves out. So where do you want your kid to fall in that? Because it doesn't matter how much we protect them. Eventually we're going to die or be gone and they're going to move away. And if, if they're not ready to handle a little pressure, like say, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't get first place so I didn't get a trophy and they don't have a meltdown, what are they going to do when they don't get a job or when they lose their job? I mean, you, we've actually done that to them. It's, you know, parents, it, it, we're, the, we're the teachers. We have to do that. Everyone, that whole trophy, and I, you know, they'll just figure it out. They'll be good. You know, everything's fine. I don't want to mess with them. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want to hurt their feelings or hurt their life uh, because, you know, I'll just wait till they get out of the house and let that happen every day of their life. Well, that would be like giving an A to everyone who shows up at class. You don't. I mean, you're graded based off of your work. Yeah, that's a great analogy, Melanie. Uh, Very well said. That's how you have to learn or else we turn into the society like we're turning into where so the children's suicide rate is so high right now that it's it's scary. And and you end up with people like uh, Ocasio-Cortez, I mean, that wants to give everybody everything without working for it, like, you have to have – there's – life is a progression, and you have to learn how to, you know, to move through those ropes or else you're going to fail at life. I mean, anything that you receive in life that is free, somebody – I mean, somebody has to have in – order to, in order to receive anything, it has to be built, right? It has to be developed. And in order for that to happen, somebody has to do it, and they have to get paid to do it or, or they're, they're – they're, I mean, that's just the way this kind of works, right? So in, in any – oh, most, most importantly, anything you get free, you don't respect it at all, period. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. And it, what happens eventually if you get undisciplined and then uneducated, then you become somebody else. Somebody else tells you how everything's supposed to be instead of being able to figure it out for yourself. Yeah, and I believe the only things that we do get for free in life are given to us by our Creator. We didn't do anything to earn the right to see or to hear or, or to taste. Uh, those are blessings that are given to us, and I think we need to be more thankful, more grateful for them. But everything else, we have to earn or create for ourselves in life, but definitely need to be more thankful for the blessings we get. Yeah. Well, that's how you know things are good. I mean, you, in order to I – mean, if you really want to know how good things are in the country, see what people are complaining about. And if it's food, water, shelter, somebody killing them, uh, no clothes, no education, you know, that kind of thing, then uh, everything else is, like I said, a blessing. Yeah, right on. Uh, All right, let me ask you guys about guns. It's always a hot-button issue. And and Hollywood, for some reason, who can't seem to make even a superhero movie without gun violence, usually has the biggest mouth in the conversation when it comes to gun control. But uh, let me start with you, Melanie. How do you feel about guns, gun safety, and what is a good age to introduce guns to kids? Well, I grew up around guns. I've been a hunter since I was a young girl. I grew up with a single dad, so I'm probably not the best person to ask on that because I'm biased. Um, But I was always taught as a child, as a young girl, to respect the gun. And my dad had guns around the house, but he taught me over and over and over to never touch the gun. And I didn't. And so when I had children, even before I met Marcus, I had guns in the home as a single mom, and I taught my son to never touch the gun, and he didn't. It's kind of like that, um, Taya, Kyle, and I have talked about this before, and when 
when you're kid, a kid and you've got uh, your mom has a, a nice glass bowl on the dining room table, like a china or something, or a crystal bowl, and she says, don't touch it, don't touch it, don't touch it, and repeats herself so many times that you know you don't touch that damn bowl. And it's the same thing with a gun. If they're familiar with it and they know not to mess with it, and you also have to know your children and trust your children that, I mean, there are some kids that don't listen. So in that case, you have to always have your guns completely secure and never allow guns around your child. Or if you've got children that behave and that respect your word and you know that they won't mess up, then it's okay. Like I have a shotgun leaning up against my headboard. Now there's not a shell in the chamber, can't go off. My safety is on. I have safety precautions around it. I'm not stupid, but it, it is visible. Now I know for a fact my kids won't touch that gun because we have gone over it multiple, multiple, multiple times, and they don't do it. Um, And we've got video cameras in the room. So it's just one of those things that you have to teach gun safety before you have guns around. And it has to be something that's not forbidden and secretive where they're going to want to play around with the gun. Um, Make it a common thing. Like Marcus, before his uh, taken his guns apart. Obviously, there's no ammunition in the guns or anything, but he's had Axe, you know, help him clean it. And so Axe is familiar. This is only something that you're around when Daddy's around. And, I mean, he's seven years old. So we're okay with that because it's a common subject in our family home. It's not the forbidden fruit, you know, that, that yeah. they can't touch. Exactly. And, and with that being said, man, if they're old enough to, to, to pick something up and to understand, to manipulate it, then that's, they're old enough to start, you know, teaching them with that. And it's basically like sex, okay? I mean, it, you teach our kids everything there is about sex, what kind of kids are going to come out of them, and there ain't nothing more dangerous than a loaded uh, teenage boy, right? <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, look, I don't teach snakes and, 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 and all these dangerous things. I don't keep them around the house, but they're around, okay? So in order for my kids to survive out in the world, I train them in every capacity. And because we do keep firearms here, I do train them in, in look, Navy SEALs, the most important thing in our life is safety, all right? I can manipulate that thing as well as we can because of how safe we are with it. And then if, anywhere and everywhere your kid goes, if there's something out there that they're going to run into and you don't train them for it, somebody else will, okay? And if everybody in the room around is kids and they see a gun and they're all trained that they're not supposed to touch it, then they won't, all right? And if you, if you train any, and anything and everything that they're going to run into in life, if you do not prepare them for it, somebody else will. And, it, and, and that's a lot of times how the most, when most kids get hurt, it's because they haven't had gun safety, okay? Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. our police use it. We, we use it for, I mean, as we progress as a society, we get more sophisticated in the cities. Something that used to be commonplace becomes, well, we don't do it here, and then we don't talk about it here, and now it's just forbidden. And that's kind of how it is with firearms. You know, even out in the country, we have them around because not, we don't use them for safety. But we use them for hunting, for for food, for protection, uh, for for animals to protect our own animals. You know, all across the board. I mean, and, and it's it's one of those deals where this country is protected by all of that. And I know people hate to hear that, and I'm I'm all about gun safety because I have gun safety running out of my ears. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I really do, and I mean, it's just. Uh, um, 
it's it should be in the capacity that you teach your kids about dangerous things or things that they will encounter in life as they progress. One being, you know, we teach you how to dress and go to school. Then as you uh, down the line, we'll teach you how to drive, and then we'll teach you, how, you know, hey, when you start going through puberty, you guys are going to be chasing each other like crazy. Okay, here's the safety precautions you use in case you run into a loaded teenage boy. Okay, or vice versa. You know, your teenager, you're like, hey, man, I need you to settle down. You, 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 this is what's going to be happening. These hormones, blah, blah, blah. And it's all the, the variables that run into each individual are the same capacity when you run into a, somebody who's not trained with a weapon system in, uh, in the house or out of it. First of all, you can. All right, it is now time for a word from today's sponsors, and I'll be right back with more of the action on First Class Fatherhood. Can't blame anybody who blames an inanimate object for something. I mean, if you literally are persecuting an inanimate object that can't activate itself without a human being behind it, then you don't want to look at the, what's really going on. Okay, that no weapon can hurt anybody unless somebody's behind it, and that goes back to when your kids need to be disciplined. And I mean, that, and that that stems like if you don't do it, then if there is no if no one disciplines them, then you're gonna have around a bunch of undisciplined adults, and then who knows how to run anything. Well, you know, my dad used to say this back in the day. Maybe that would work. Or, you know, I mean, or it's like, hey, I did this actually, you know. And I, I mean, I, I know it's old hat, but I still teach my kids how to find, you know, start fire, build a tent, and you know, in any case, you know, change a tire, anything and everything that they have would have to do like we had to do before tech. That's the beautiful part about our generation, man, is we're a little bit of the old and a little bit of the new. So we're the kind of last generation we can teach that old school stuff, you know, basic survival skills without 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 a battery. Anything with a battery can shut down. I think the biggest, the short answer to that is gun safety. Gun safety, gun safety, gun safety. Always talk about it. Always be open about it. Hey, and I know people, and I love them very much, but they don't have anything to do with it. They don't want to touch that. And I'm like, hey, good. We need people like that, too, because there's people like me who have to use it to protect you, okay? And then my children will be trained and understand what their father did. I wouldn't keep that from them. I mean, because then that would make me look like somebody bad. Why do I want well, if dad did it and it's bad, then he must be bad. Well, that's not, that's not it. I was using it to protect everybody else, man. It's just pe- bad people do bad things with that. It's, it boils down to that sin you carry. I mean, if you have wrath inside of you like I do, you can either use that wrath to protect people from wrath or you can become wrath and hurt people with it. And yeah, it's yeah. it has that uh, sin inside of us, man. And if you, if you get into it and manipulate, or not manipulate, but if you abuse it, then, man, you're going down the bad road. But if you understand what you are in the beginning and you have people around you who have already been through that gauntlet, then they can walk you through it, and that's what you're doing. We're walking you through life, man. I'm like, I'm not teaching you to use a gun in a bad way. I'm teaching you gun safety in case somebody bad gets a hold of this thing. Yeah, I have a perfect example, and I don't want to, you know, harp on the gun subject, but my mom brother was nine years old at a friend's house, where the friend was not, they never talked about guns. The dad uh, left a gun out and a rifle out, and the kids were in the house by themselves, and the little kid grabbed the gun and accidentally shot my mom's brother. Wow. He was nine years old, and he died. And it's absolutely terrible. It's a terrible situation. This kid was curious. He he surely didn't mean to kill his best friend, um, but 
but the parents never talked to him about the gun. It was just something that was forbidden. You know, don't, don't touch it, dad's gun, you know, that kind of mentality. Not teaching the safety mechanisms and the consequences and everything of a gun. Now, my mom, as a grown woman, is ter- she grew up terrified of guns. So a few years ago, we were talking, and she said she went out and bought her first handgun for, for home protection. And I flipped out because I knew that my mom has never had any gun safety training. And I said, Mom, do you know how to shoot the gun? She said, no. And I said, well, then having a gun in your home is worse than, ha- than not having it and someone coming in because you're not going to know what to do with it. You can shoot yourself, shoot a family member, or the person breaking into your home is going to end up grabbing it from you and shooting you with it. You cannot have a gun in your home if you are not 100% comfortable with that gun and all of the safety that goes around it. And that I'm very, very big on that is just gun safety through and through. If you're going to go get a gun and you don't have a Navy SEAL as a husband or, you know, someone in the military in your family or whatever, a big hunter in the family, go get lessons. Go, I, teach, I host a women's shooting camp every year, and it's all about gun safety. And I'm just a huge advocate on that, that you don't, not everyone needs a gun. If you're not comfortable with it, don't have it. Or if you want to get comfortable with it, go take lessons before you buy one. All right. And here's the biggest thing with that. All right. And everybody throws this over on us because we carry guns. Look, any, any responsible hunter I know, anybody who I hang out with, anybody and everybody I run around, hunters, I mean, we all have the safety classes, and they all we all make us take each other's safety classes so that we'll know that we're safe. I, the people who are like, you don't need a safety class, you just go get me. Those are, man, those do not speak for all of us. Okay? Yeah, those, those are the people you don't want to go hunting. I don't even know who. I mean, when I hear that, when people throw that on us, I'm like, you don't want gun laws? I'm like, who the hell says that? I mean, I, I have to go through so much gun training, and I mean, I still have to do it. And anytime I purchase a weapon, I have to go through the whole gambit of it, and I should. Just, yeah, I mean, what, I mean, I, because of how I'm trained, you need to know what, what you know, and, and, if, and if you're going to keep a log of how well I'm trained, why would you not keep a log of somebody who doesn't know what they're doing? And, uh, you know, the, don't, don't pay attention to people trying to stir up all that crap saying that we hate each other because of our color and everything. Man, our generation, gen, man, we, that's gone at all, man. I mean, we, we, we had to grow up and fight a war for 20 years with each other, all right? So you can't tell me that we can't come together and that we can't make things work. It's the people who walk up and say, well, I don't want to do anything. I'm not going to talk to you. I don't even care what you have to say. Those people need to get pushed and either figure something out or get away from the collective uh, of the rest of us because we're trying to make this thing work. It's Boil it down, man, we're a family. There's no ruling parties in America. The best part about our country is you can be born with no last name, no nothing, and still become a king. All right, we don't call it that. We call it president. You can become a king of the most powerful nation and wield the most powerful sword the earth has ever known, okay, and be a nobody, a literal nobody. And we switch that, and then everybody underneath the president, I mean, look at our aunts, uncles, and then look at our sports franchises as the counts and dukes and duchesses and stuff like that. It's a family environment. You have to treat it that way all the way down to our kids and train them what they're going to run into in the house. 
Yeah, I agree with you guys. You make some great points. I try to stay away from the political aspects of all this stuff because there, there's so much hatred and so much anger involved with all of it. Uh, I think as fathers, as parents, we all want the same thing for our kids. We want them to be happy. We want them to have some success. And I think if we just step back and look at the big picture here, we would quickly realize that we're, we're all after the same thing here and we all have a lot more in common than we ever knew. Oh, well, let me tell you something. That's the greatest part about Millionaire's life is the people that we interact with, and it's all across the board. So, I mean, I truly know that everybody can get along with everybody because I get along with the people famously who, who, who are always throwing jabs at each other. And it's just a bickering thing. If you boil it down to it, man, it's just a bicker, It's literally a bickering thing. We could, if we could, cover, if we could figure anything out together, right? And it's kind of we, – we stall ourselves because we like to argue back and forth. And it, and it all goes around, man, where we're raised and kind of how we're brought up. I mean, when I first time I went to New York, I thought everyone was yelling at me. I didn't know that that's actually <laughs> how they talk and communicate, and that's, they, that's how they show their love. You know, down south, man, we just, it's kind of just different, man. And once you figure that out, man, New York City, man, those people are magnificent. I mean, I have so many friends up. I love those people more than anything. You can't tell me that we can't. I've been in every state, every city, every just visiting town to town, talking to any and everybody I could. To, just to see for myself, man. And I've made friends all over this place. And I talk to them on a regular basis, man, even the ones that don't get along with TV. And I just sit back and I'm like, man, if you guys knew how much you had in common, you, you kind of squash all this and you figure out which, which side is what and then cut it down because you can't be happy all the time. That's not how life works anyways, man. And, you know, the younger generations are always complaining. That's what younger generations do. Older generations are setting their ways. So they're setting their ways. And the in-between, we, we kind of make everything work. And at no point in time should we ever hate each other, uh, draw an arm to each other, or, you know, hurt each other in, in any capacity. I mean, just think about it. I mean, we're one, if we're one big family, if you, you send your kids out next door, man, and tell me, I mean, you, you want to know that they run into people who would care for them as much as you do, not hurt them because they, they didn't know something that you knew at a given time and thought a certain way. I mean, information goes by so fast, man, literally – Two kids, you get educated in two different things in a matter of a second just because of what they're looking at on their phone, man. And you, you just got to take a step back and just like, hey, whoa, man, take a breath, man. You guys are arguing about some dumb stuff. I mean, we all, all of us sitting back on, at our homes watching the TV, when you look at it, man, like, man, you guys are just arguing over dumb stuff. I can't even believe that three people on this planet, in our country have, this, have our government shut down. Three people have our government shut down. That is unbelievable to me. Yeah, and I have faith that the light will overcome the darkness here. And with this technology now, you can learn new skills quicker. You can educate yourself in almost any subject. Uh, the problem is, is that there is so much poison available through these smartphones and these devices, which can really do significant damage to a young mindset. So how do you guys kind of handle technology time or video game time with your kids? We allow our kids to play video games. We limit the time that they spend on it. And obviously, they can't play you know, every game. Um, as far as phones, Axe has an old iPhone that's disabled. Uh, the Wi-Fi is disabled. He can just play games on it when he's at home or if we go to a restaurant or something, but he can't carry it to school or anything like that. Um, it's usually for plane rides, traveling, that kind of stuff. But it's basically like an iPad in the shape of an iPhone because it's disabled. I mean, think about it. It's got, look, same, same way with us. It's, it, it was, it's a reward to have that stuff. We're blessed we have land and we have a lot of stuff to do. Like, we have to work out here. So they, they, they have access to that. And, and, and if you keep that stuff from them, then, then they're going to be behind. And, and then their friends, they're going to be talked about with their friends, right? they got to play. you got to – I mean, that's, 
that's what kids do these days. Everybody's like, oh, I'm going to give my kid. I'm like, well, what are you going to give them then? Because that's what, every, you know, that's how it, that's how these things work. Just everything in moderation. And that, that's the way it applies to everything. You see them getting burned out on something, then you take it away from them. And if you, and that's the way it was with us. If we, if they, we messed up. They took away uh, our car keys. Before that, it was whatever it is we had, right? And every generation is different, but just everything around us is different. The training aspect of it, like, in the, it should be the same. Like, i got to discipline my kid. i got to watch out for him because there's predators out there at any given time to snatch in there. And the minute I, I don't think that that can happen, I'm probably um, – I'm not doing my, my uh, kids justice, right? I'm, I'm, I'm doing a disservice to them. As a matter of fact, how I got to learn, got to know Hunter is I went and bought a video game for the first time ever. I didn't, I didn't play it since Nintendo, right? Since we were kids with uh, Super Mario, which is a fantastic <laughs> game, by the way. And uh, uh, I went upstairs and we started playing. And Melanie, I'll never forget this. Melanie came walking up. And she's like, Have you guys been up here this whole time? And I was like, Yeah, why? Wow, what happened? She's like, You've been up here for nine hours. I was like, What? <laughs> you know, I mean, we, I just got sucked into these games. Are amazing. I mean, they're like three dimensional. It's not like the stuff was just a sideways screen with us, you know, like <laughs> hand or some crap like that. I mean, bro, you, I can see how you can get into it because I, I did. And so for the holidays, every time I come up to college, we play this game at, uh, together. All the boys go in there and we just kind of hash it out. It's, it's, it's fun, man. It's a reward. So, if it, and that's how you turn it into, man. If, you, if they spend too much time on it, then it, then they won't appreciate it and they get burned out. So, I, and I, I mean. And this is the part that baffles me. Like, what, when the parents are like, no, you can't play with that, and they start complaining, like, you get your feelings hurt. I'm like, oh, so that's it? That, that's why you let them go back and burn out on that game? It's just because you got your feelings? You're a grown-ass, you know, you're a human adult parent, okay? I know what they want to hear, and, it, you know, then you need to just think about that, all right? Just think about it. And the best part about it is when you when you actually hear your parent, your father or your mother in your head while you're saying that, I was like, no, I know why they said that. And they said that I would say this when I said this, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just, it's hilarious. I mean, and, and never forget that. Like, hey, you're at an age in your life where you have to take the responsibility. They're at the age in their life when they're screwing up. And if you, if you, if you don't, it's basically like climbing the corporate ladder and then you get to your job and you don't want to do it. Like the CEO, right, or the boss. Like, nah, I'm just going to let the kids figure out how to run a company. They'll be all right. <laughs> no other environment does that, does, will that be applicable or be even – you know, stu- no one would stand for that, but you're going to do it in your home with your kids? Uh, come on, man. Think about it. Yeah, listen, hey, we use that Fortnite as a form of currency in this house. That that, that game is taken over. Right. Our uh, seven-year-old loves Fortnite, and it's, I mean, he truly enjoys playing, so why take something away that's pure joy for him? We don't make him, we don't let him play it all the time. Hey, look, man, I, I watch him and I watch them and the hand-eye coordination with all the buttons and how fast they're working. I mean, and you can read a book, and, and but I was kind of, I learned if I'm reading a book, I'm just reading it. But if I could see it and use my hands in it and build something, and, 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 and I mean, that's working the mind. But just like with anything, you wouldn't sit there and read a book forever and ever and ever. You take a break, right? And as kids, they don't have that break in them yet. They don't understand that part. So, you know, be a parent. I mean, be a parent, okay? <laughs> yeah, very good. Okay, Marcus, one thing I have to ask you, I listened to that 911 tape of you chasing the guy that shot your dog. I couldn't believe how calm you sounded throughout that entire high-speed chase. Uh, do you have that same kind of calmness when you're driving like a long-distance ride with the kids and they start driving you crazy? Because that that's a tough one for a lot of parents. Well, let me say something. After everything that I've been through, I mean, I, I learned lessons from my good and my bad. Like a bad, a bad, something bad that happens to me doesn't hurt me mentally. I take, I take from it. And, uh, 
I mean, if you see me freaking out, if some kids could freak me out after everything that I've been through, then I mean, come on. So, I mean, I, I that's, that was the beautiful thing about what I did for a living and everything that I had to go through is, is I don't get freaked out when they're, you know, when they bust and they're bleeding or, or something happens. Like when Melanie and everybody comes up to me, I, that as not only as the, the parent, the father, and everything that I've been through, I mean, I, I keep the, the calm. I keep the peace around here. That's my job. I do all my all I do around here is protection and enforcement. Melly runs the show, man. I do what I'm told, and I protect and enforce everything. And then anything in between, I mean, if you know if it makes it past Melly and it makes it to me, then I handle it, and that's it. That's probably one of my best qualities too: is remaining calm. Things don't rile me up. So car rides aren't hard for us because um, we're both really chill. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Uh, we're in the new year here. What type of uh, goals or plans do you guys have uh, coming up for this year and, and, and for the future? I'm trying to go keto hard, <laughs> and this family is not 100% on board. Um, <laughs> we'll get it done. I would try to you know, make sure that we live every single day like it was uh, like we wouldn't get it back. Um, we, then we we literally cherish every day around here and have the best time from sun up to sundown. And uh, even even the hard times we go through, we go through them together. And uh, each year is just a blessing. I turned 40 this year, so it's a rough one for me. Okay, yeah, I'm only a couple of years from 40 myself, so um, I hear you on that. Uh, all right, last thing I'm going to hit you guys with here, I'd love to ask all the parents that I have on the podcast. Let me begin with you, Melanie. What type of advice could you give to that new mom or to that about-to-be parent who's out there listening? Um, my advice to new parents is to stay calm. <laughs> There's going to be things that freak you out. I was a new parent at a very young age, and I... I reacted on emotion and not out of uh, practicality, I guess. So, and take advice from other parents. I mean, I remember being 19 years old and not, you know, when I would lay Hunter down to go to sleep and as soon as he hit the crib, he'd start crying. So I'd take him back up and I felt like I couldn't put him back down. So he was going to start crying. So I didn't sleep at all because I was walking around rocking a baby, um, where when I was older, I learned you put the baby down and you walk out of the room. So what if they cry? It's going to be okay. And it just took a 13 year gap for me to learn that. But, um, take advice from other parents, stay calm. Your baby's going to be fine and stick together as parents and always help each other out. Great advice. Uh, Marcus. Oh yeah. No, I mean, one of my favorite commercials I've seen is when the uh, you got the, the the young the couple and the baby got twenty minutes. You want to go? And so they go into the bedroom to fool around. And then after the baby, they've had a couple of kids. They're like, "Hey, we got twenty minutes. You want to go?" And the dude's got the CPAC machine on, passed it on top of the covers, and she's she's passed out too because they're so worn out from having the kids. Right? I mean, everything literally changes in that moment. And never forget, babies are tough. They're resilient. I I, I remember when we had access. I walked in the house with, I'll never forget this. I had him in that carrier. I didn't even know how to put him in the baby seat. I mean, I, and I looked at Melanie, she was walking upstairs. She's like, she just, just, I watched her give birth to my children. I was like, women are the toughest thing I've ever seen in my entire life, man. And I know pain. And, and I was sitting there with him and I was like, all right, buddy, we're going to get through this together, man. And I remember I would clean everything 
I mean, just crazy. And put it in the microwave, make sure it's sterilized. And after the second kid, third kid, people just like it falls on the ground, take it off, spit on it, put it in their mouth. They're like, hey, they And I've never run across a parent that didn't, didn't. It's a progression. And no matter what seasoned parents tell a new parent, you are still going to default to your own parenting regulations of what you see and what you learn. It is trial and error, okay? It, it truly is, man. And no matter what, as the, as the father, Realize that that woman, what she just went through and carried that baby and, and did all that, man. So I had diaper duty, whatever, you know, whatever I could do, man. I, I, and this, the sleepless nights, yeah, those exist, man. Just get used to them. I mean, you'll get into the zone, kind of going through hell. He says that, but he also told me that he was going to have night duty because he doesn't sleep well at night. And the first night we were home. All right, this happened one time, okay? I'll oh, no. It happened every night. The first <laughs> night that we were home. The first time Axe started crying, I look over at Marcus, and his eyes immediately shut tight. <laughs> and I'm like, that? Sorry. Oh, okay, okay, so at that age, man, the guy always, you know. He pretended to be sleeping. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> kid's hungry. I can't really help you with that, okay? That's what the mother can't He can't pretended do. to be sleeping. He could have rubbed my back while I was feeding him oh. <laughs> yeah, I love that because we always had a rule in our house when they were babies. Uh, you know, if you wake them, you shake them. You know, you got to get them back to sleep. Oh yeah, yeah. it's kind of like finding the uh, you know, the dog nest on the ground. Whoever finds it, you got to clean it up. You got the baby <laughs> up. But hey, uh, I mean, just know that as a you know, people have been doing parenting stuff and being been parents since the beginning. Okay, and before they had hospitals and and all that stuff, and just have a great time with it. And it does go by fast. I, I noticed that man, and that before, and they are so much. Fun. I mean, when they get to that age, like six and seven, and when they look at, and they get their own pers- personalities. That's when you figure out when you're not cool anymore. As soon as your kids know the difference between cool and uncool, you're not cool anymore, and you're old and busted and all that stuff. And that's that's a great. It, that actually has to happen for you to go through the transitional period of being able to enforce the rules on your kids. Because in the beginning, you're like, you know, they think, you know, you're cool and they want to hang out. And then as soon as they go, hey, you're not cool, then like, oh, check this out. If I'm not cool, check out this rule and this new chore, all right? I'll, you know what I mean? It's like, all right, you're, I'll, I'll act like a parent if I have to. And then, you know, ask around. Ask for advice. And don't ever be ashamed or to not know anything. And don't ever be embarrassed to, to adopt something that somebody else did, does, you know, for their – and. And don't be ashamed to ask for help, for babysitting, from family or whatever I've truly believe that a mother's sanity is through breaks and I see a lot of new moms that feel guilty for going to get their hair done or leaving the baby to go to the grocery store by herself. Moms need that. Take breaks. Get away by yourself. Yeah, that's why you keep your family around. That's why, you you know, your mother and your grandparents, and they, that, I mean, you keep all of them around close to you and they're a wealth of knowledge and they love watching the kids so you can have the break and I mean, we, we keep everybody around us at any given time, you know. I mean, and they pass their kids off to us, and it just kind of works. And then the kids hang out together, and they're, they're being raised together as a family. And they just, it's a, you know, it's a wealth of knowledge for them in, in itself. Yeah, very well said. I love the advice. This has truly been an honor for me, guys. So I have to say thank you so much, Melanie and Marcus Luttrell, for giving me a few minutes of your time right here on First Class Fatherhood. Thanks. Oh, great. Yeah, you appreciate it, brother. Thanks, man. All right. I'll be right back after a quick spot.
Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Melanie and Marcus Luttrell for giving me a few minutes of their time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys. Drop me a DM over on Instagram or hit me on Facebook. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to hear your feedback. And then lock it in. Next week, I got a great week of guests coming up for you guys. And if you have a chance, please get over to iTunes and drop me a rating or a review. It all goes a long way to help me bring you guys the best podcast possible. All right? So next week, YouTuber Evan Carmichael, actor Brady Smith, former Navy SEAL Mark Devine. We're locked and loaded here with guests and content for you guys. Please help me spread the word out there. And thank you so much for your support. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Thank you.